to In the Country with your host, Dave Woods. This is the radio show where country music gets up close and personal. Spend some time in the country and get to know our guests. Spend some time in the country where the music's the best. The latest news and memories, two great stories that get told. Spend some time in the country, now it's time we start the show. My pleasure now to welcome to the show hit songwriter Frank Myers, and you know his songs. They've been all over the radio over all these years. His songs have been recorded by Eddie Rabbit, Crystal Gale, Eddie Raven, John, Michael Montgomery, Alabama Reba, Chris Young, and many, many more. We have a lot of songs to talk about, and we'll only scratch the surface of his very successful songwriting career. Welcome to the show, Frank. Hey, Dave. How are you doing today? I am doing just great, and I really appreciate uh, you being here and having the time to talk about uh, so many of your big songs. Hey, I appreciate you uh, reaching out to me to have me on your show. Well, this is wonderful because uh, as a big country fan myself, going way back, I know these songs from past to present. Um, There's an Alabama song we're going to talk about. Once Upon a Lifetime, I'm a huge Alabama fan and had that album and when that song, you know, listening to that song on it, just such a lovely song. And we're going to talk about I Swear from John Michael Montgomery that also went on to be recorded by All for One. And that song was uh, between the country charts and the pop charts, uh, number one, for about 15 weeks. We're going to get to all that. That's pretty crazy. uh, I know. Amazing. I mean, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that time. But uh, let's head back to uh, 1981. Uh, Frank, and I know that you were from Dayton, Ohio, but in 1981, you made the big move to Nashville. That's right. My wife and I, Belinda, um, decided to uh, take a shot at it. Incredible, because that's always a big move. You don't know what's ahead of you when you hit Music City. But for you, the opportunity came uh, with Eddie Raven, I understand guitarist, originally lead guitarist, you eventually became the band leader and and his road manager. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, We moved to Nashville in uh, April of 81, and I got the job with Eddie as his guitar player in June or July of 81. And, um, wow, you know, we just hit it off. He was kind of like a big brother to me, and I was just starting to dabble in songwriting and had a few things I played for me. Loved the melodies because uh, I kind of started as a writer as putting uh, music to lyrics at first. And um, so we hit it off day one. Incredible. And the songs you guys had on the country charts, uh, I Got Mexico, Bayou Boys, Sometimes a Lady. I mean, you guys had uh, quite a few songs uh, between you on the uh, country charts uh, recorded by Eddie. Yeah, that's right. Also, you should have been gone by now. You're never too old for young love, and uh, yeah. and uh, several album cuts that were never singles. Uh, one thing that we wrote that uh, was on one of the albums I don't remember which one, but it was called "Folks Out on the Road" that uh, Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash eventually did on their duet record. Wow. What was it like to have a couple of icons like that record a song that you wrote? Uh, real, I guess. Um, having them record something of mine, 
you know, watching them through their career and all the wonderful things that they did. And of course, watching the Johnny Cash TV show when I was younger and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to have George Jones record and put out one of my songs called uh, um, Honky Tonk Song that I co-wrote with Billy Yates, right. who had, yep. had several George Jones hits. Um, you know, it's just incredible. Absolutely. And I've got here that at age 14, what a great start, you guest starred on the Porter Wagner TV show. So tell us about that opportunity. Well, I uh, met a guy named Bob Cox who was in Nashville. I, I can't remember even how I met this guy. We might have submitted a, a tape or something. Uh, my parents might have done that. But uh, he was involved in a show in Nashville at the time called Young Country. And it was, you know, young kids basically uh, singing country music. And, and I became a part of that and then was able to do the Porter Wagner show and sing country roads on it. Hadn't had any originals at that time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also Very did cool. several shows with Porter and Dolly, uh, back in Dayton, um, Porter and Dolly, George Jones, Tammy Wynette, uh, Crystal Gale. I met Crystal Gale when she was, I guess she was 19 or she might have been 20, uh, and I was like 14. And uh, I actually put a picture of that on my Facebook of us uh, together back then, um, not knowing, uh, you know, what a part she would play in my career as a songwriter. Incredible. And let's uh, fast forward to that time. That was uh, 1982, the song You and I. This is a song that you wrote yourself, no co-writers on it, just you. <laughs> Uh, huge hit, Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale, uh, number one, multiple weeks on the country, AC, and pop charts. This was a crossover. Uh, tell me about the song. Tell me about, maybe, maybe start with the writing of it, when you wrote it, how you felt about the song. Well, it, it's funny because my first cut was a song called Changes that Eddie Raven and I and Tanya Tucker wrote together, and it was my very first cut. And uh, so, you know, when a songwriter gets his first cut, he listens to it four or five hundred times, and that's just <laughs> the first day. And, uh, right. <laughs> and there was a line in there was a, a line in the song that went, uh, "Well, when neither one of us will ever change, we're both the same, and that's a shame, because when we were together, it was right. We had it all, you and I. And every time I would mm. listen to it, for some reason, you and I would stick out to me as a title. So I put that aside. Uh, somewhere uh, in the back of my mind as a title. And one day I was sitting in the living room of our apartment out in Antioch, Tennessee. And my, we had one car, my wife worked second shift and I'd take her to work. And so I was sitting with my guitar and trying to write a song before she went to work. And, um, you know, she asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm trying to write a song. She said, well, what kind of song? I said, a country song, honey. You know, we're not in Ohio anymore. I got to, I got to try to write some country stuff down here. And because I was, you know, I was a big country fan. I grew up with George Jones and Buck Owens and uh, Jim Reeves. And, and then, but I was also influenced by Motown and Southern rock and all kinds of stuff. And uh, so had a, a wide variety in my head. She said, well, 
why don't you write me a Lionel Richie type song? And I looked at my watch and I said, honey, isn't about time for you to go to work? (laughs) 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 And uh, so anyway, I took her to work and came home and, um, and I sat down with my guitar and started messing around. This melody started coming to me and I, and that you and I title popped out and I, I wrote the song and then just a couple hours and, Picked her up that night and brought her home and played her the song and, and she loved the song and uh, and it was funny because David Malloy who produces Eddie produced Eddie Rabbit and was a co-writer on many of his hits produced the Tanya Tucker record so I met David and he really loved changes and he told me if I had anything for Eddie they were going to cut after the first of the year and I just happened to get the song written and. Everything happened so fast. Amazing looking back. Uh, went to uh, Acuff Rose where Eddie was signed as a writer back then and went in the studio and put it down, just me singing it on the guitar on a reel-to-reel tape. And uh, and I took it over to uh, David Malloy's company uh, that he had with his dad and even Stevens and Eddie Rabbit. And, uh, and I played it for Jim Malloy, David's father, who was a great uh engineer and producer who produced helped me make it to the night among many other hits and uh right he heard it and loved it on on the first first play he he got it and uh took it to them and uh that's how it happened of course it wasn't it wasn't written as a duet it was written just as a single person song you know and uh interesting yeah and when when they cut the song, they thought the song was too short, so they added a verse. And uh, David wanted me to write another verse, so I I wrote maybe five or six more verses, and he didn't like any of them. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Later <laughs> later he would tell me, later he would tell me, he said, Frank, I was beginning to wonder if you really wrote that song. <laughs> but you know, I I, I always say that. You know, divine providence has a way of playing into everything, and it was meant to be done the way it was done because Crystal had just come over to Electra, and uh, they had asked Crystal to come sing harmony on the song, and and she came and she's she was learning the song, she was kind of answering him, and and that's how they ended up doing the song. You know, he heard that and he said, mm-hmm. "I love that. Well, let's let's do it like that. Let's let's just sing the first verse." Eddie by himself, then you come back in and we'll re-sing the first verse, and you answer. Right. And uh, that, that's how uh, that's how it was came to be. Incredible. And of course, it and was uh, it was a huge crossover hit out of Nashville. Yeah. You know, at that time, there wasn't anything bigger other than uh, "I Will Always Love You." Absolutely. I mean, I remember hearing this all over the radio on different stations, the AC, the pop and country, obviously. That's got to be amazing as a writer to obviously just the success on the country charts alone. But when it crosses over and now it's part of other uh, genres, what, what does that feel like? Well, you know, looking back, it's uh, yeah, at the time it was just surreal and everything happened so fast. I kind of took it for granted, really. I just thought, yeah, it's a great song. Why don't why, why wouldn't you play it all over the place, you know? And <laughs> looking back, I you know, it's just you know, you come to realize that it's it's the power of a song. I mean the power of a song is a is a very powerful thing. Uh the mm-hmm. way it moves people, the way songs talk to people, how they relate to it and 
uh, that sort of thing. And uh, there's so many songs that could cross over. Uh, these days, it's just all about the the production, unless the lyric Absolutely. is country, unless the lyric is country or pop specific. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the, uh, another big crossover for you, the uh, John Michael Montgomery and All for One, a bit later. But I uh, we talked about the uh, Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale duet. There's a version that you recorded on an album called Scrapbook from uh, 2006 that our listeners can get from iTunes. They can get the whole album. But uh, I want to hear your version, Frank, of you singing You and I with Crystal Gale. And maybe tell me your thoughts on that, uh, hearing the two of you uh, singing this song together. Well, you know, Crystal uh, became a friend of mine and her and her husband. And uh, when I got ready to do this project, it was mainly a project just to sell when I go out and do live events. And I just asked her if she'd come do it with me, and she said absolutely. So it was, uh, you know, wow. a very cool thing for her to do for me. And you know, I didn't, I, I didn't tell her until I think this year about that picture of her and I. And I actually sent it to her. She actually put it on her page as well. It was pretty crazy. Oh, wow! <laughs> Amazing. You, you just never know those moments uh, that will come full circle down the road, right? And when you look back, it's like pretty cool, to say the least. Oh, it's, it's it's amazing uh, yeah. um, how how fate plays a hand in everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I'll let our listeners know they can learn more about you at frankmyersmusic.com. Uh, and let's uh, head to Absolutely. that album, Scrapbook, and hear Frank and Crystal Gale and the huge hit uh, that Frank put on his album, You and I, here on In the Country. Just you and I Sharing our love together And I know in time We'll build the dreams we treasure And we'll be alright Just you and I Just you and I Just you and I Sharing our love together I know in time And I know in time We'll build the dreams we treasure And we'll be alright Just you and I And I smile that was on your face the promises that we
And that is my guest, Frank Myers, along with Crystal Gale. And that is a song that Frank Myers wrote, went uh, all over the country, AC and pop charts back in 1982, originally uh, done by Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale. And that's Frank's version with Crystal. Uh, You can get that album, Scrapbook, at iTunes. And we have uh, many more songs to talk about and uh, songwriting in general. Uh, I know that um, you're involved uh, with the NSAI Frank, which of course is the Nashville Songwriters Association International. Uh, our listeners can head online to nashvillesongwriters.com. And what I love about it, uh, they have chapters all across, uh, maybe all across the world, definitely in North America. And I know you can punch in uh, regional chapters and you'll find ones in Canada where we are uh, broadcasting from. But tell me about uh, your involvement with the NSAI. Well, uh, the Nashville Songwriters Association is a uh, great organization. They do uh, a lot of great work and lobbying in Washington, D.C. on on the behalf of songwriters. And, uh, you know, when Maggie Cavender started it years ago, I mean, I wasn't a part of it then, but, you know, they started it as a place for songwriters to come together and for new songwriters to have their songs critiqued and that sort of thing. And, and um, and they started their lobbying in in Nashville back, I mean in D.C. back then even. Uh, and then Bart Herbison came on uh, several years ago uh, after Maggie left, and he actually was a lobbyist uh, in D.C. for a long time, and also worked for you know some senators and that sort of thing. So he's very connected there, and and, and he has a great passion for songwriters and, and songs. And he's a great guy. And I just can't say en- enough good things about Bart Herbison. 
and what he's done for the Nashville Songwriters Association. And, and we do a thing called Ten Pan South every year at the last week of March where uh, all the great songwriters and artists and stuff play for a week, uh, well, Tuesday through Saturday, I guess, uh, all over Nashville, different venues, uh, two shows a night, one at seven, one at nine, and all, all the proceeds go to the NSAI and to help not only uh, you know run the company but also for the uh, uh, their legislative efforts in in DC and it's it's a great organization. I would encourage anybody to uh, the that's a songwriter to to join it. Uh, they critique songs. They have song camps. And you are correct, there is a uh, uh, an arm of the NSAI in Toronto, and I've been there twice mm-hmm. to play for their little, uh, they call it Tin Pan North, I guess. Yeah, and, that's uh, it, yep. And uh, they, do, they do a fine job, great guys, and um, you should check them out. Absolutely. Anybody listening needs to uh, check out uh, Tin Pan North. I think it happens around May or June uh, here in the Toronto area. I've been to it uh, several times. Great, uh, great organization and a great event that they put on as well. And uh, again, I'll let our listeners know the website uh, for the NSAI is NashvilleSongwriters.com. And when I was at their website earlier, I noticed that uh, they were founded in 1967. So this is their 50th year. So that's uh, an incredible uh, amount of work on behalf of songwriters. That's right. That's right. And it, it is incredible. And uh, if anyone's going to be in Nashville, uh, March the 30th, uh, we're going to be doing our Tim Pan show at the Hard Rock Cafe on 2nd Avenue, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And it's going to be uh, myself and Eddie Raisin, uh, Danny Wells, Billy Montana, and uh, Jimmy Nichols, who is. Uh, an incredible uh, session musician, keyboard player that always plays with us. And uh, he plays on a ton of records like Carrie Underwood and a bunch of people and, and is a great songwriter himself. Incredible. And we'll encourage uh, our listeners who are in that area to check it out. They can uh, probably check out uh, more of that information at your website, frankmyersmusic.com. Let's talk for a moment about demos. Frank, and for for those uh, songwriters out there who want to pitch their songs to artists, uh, either through a publisher or maybe it's an independent artist and they'll do it on their own, and then the answer may depend on who you're trying to pitch to, but uh, in general, what should a demo sound like when it's going to be pitched? Well, you know, i got to say that um, a lot of guys doing their demos these days, uh, a lot of them sound like records, so just realize that that's what you're up against. But with right. that said, you know, if, if if the song stands on its own, you know, a guitar vocal or a piano vocal should suffice if it can stand on its own. Um, yeah, there's a lot of battles we songwriters fight today, and that's uh, there's a lot of camps now with producers having uh, songwriters on their payroll and artists and the whole bit. So, you know, they they always go to their own guys first and everybody else lasts so um it's always good if you can to bypass all of that and write a song with the producer write a song with the artist that sort of thing or mm-hmm. or the camp that they're in uh anytime you can get a foot in the door uh you know a foot in the door will give you a leg up <laughs> so <to speak. laughs> um but uh, you know i just think 
you got to do whatever presents the song in the best possible way. Uh, right. Depending on if it's a, if you think it's a rock song or just a country song or whatever, then demo it accordingly. But always demo it the best you can. Because you're up yeah, against as you said, there's things that sound like competition records. Competition out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you just them, can't even. Sound is good. You 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 can't even imagine the competition of unless you were here. I mean, I certainly didn't when I was in Ohio. Right, and that that's a big reason why people either move to Nashville, or many people take those week or two week trips several times a year to understand how it works right right in the heart of things. Absolutely, and um, you know, but you know, there's a lot of Great artists up in Canada too, so try to try to lasso one of those guys and write a song. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, as you said, when you can get that close to the camp or the artist, and uh, you know, it's just like any other business. It's who you know. You got to have the talent, but who you know helps get you get you that much closer. Oh, and there's no doubt about it. Uh, no doubt about it. Hmm. I want to turn to a huge song for you, Frank. Uh, we're going to head back to 1993 uh, when it was released by John Michael Montgomery. Uh, the song, I Swear, then All for One, a pop group, took it to uh, number one for 11 weeks. Now, not only did I Swear stay up at uh, the top of the charts for country and pop, but it did extremely well at the Grammys. Uh, it was up for uh, Song of the Year, overall Song of the Year, and it got beat out by Bruce Springsteen's Philadelphia. But it did win uh, Best uh, Country Song, and it won um, Best uh, R&B Performance, and um, I think it won three Grammys. Wow. Let's rewind just a bit to, uh, I know that you were you wrote the song with Gary Baker, he mm-hmm. called you with the title he had, I Swear. I would like right, to take it from there. Right. I know that you wrote the chorus on the way to the writing appointment. Yeah, Gary, uh, we live about three hours apart. He lives in uh, uh, Muscle Shoals. And he actually lives in Sheffield, Alabama, which is right next to Muscle Shoals. And uh, he was writing for Rick Hall over at Fame. And um I was going to drive down that morning to write with him and Robert Byrne. Uh, God rest his soul. Great writer. Robert was. And um, he called me and gave me the time to think about on the drive down. And and I did. And, and I wrote the chorus as is uh, with a little handheld uh, tape recorder driving down to his house. Wow. And when I got there, we went over to to meet Robert at his house. And we just rode a half a day with Robert, and we ended up having lunch and all. And, and uh, driving back over to Fame, I told Gary, I said, I wrote a chorus to that idea you gave me. Uh, when we get back over to Fame, I'll play it for you and <clears throat> see what you think. So um, when we got to Fame, uh, we went inside and actually went into another big songwriter's office, Walt Aldridge. Uh, Walt wasn't there that day, so we went and used his office <laughs> And I played him the, the chorus, and and he loved it. And we sat there and wrote the verses, and that was it. Um, they ended up doing a demo there at Fame, and uh, we pitched the song all over the place, and no one, no, nobody took it. And uh, so uh, 
took five years uh, before I was able to get the song cut. And we did another demo on it. Uh, when Gary and I worked with Marie Osmond, uh, I got a job working with Marie Osmond as her guitar player after I left Eddie. And Gary was in a band called The Shooters back then. And when they disbanded, mm-hmm. he was looking for work. And just so happened that the bass player was leaving Marie. So I got Gary the job playing bass with Marie. And uh, Jerry Williams, who is still with her, Donnie and Marie today, as their uh, musical director and keyboard player, uh, heard it. And um, and he had played us a few demos that he had done. He had programmed. And so I don't know how it came about, if he offered to do it, if we asked him to do it. But he did a track, kind of a pop track on, I swear, and sent it to us. And uh, Gary and I... Uh, he put bass on, I put the guitars on, and he sang it, and I sang backgrounds, and that was the demo that I ended up pitching to John Michael. And how that happened was I was supposed to go up to Kentucky and, and write with John mm-hmm. up on a houseboat. Well, uh, unbeknownst to me, when I get up there, his mom and dad are there. And, uh, his brother Eddie's there with Troy Gentry, who they would later become Montgomery Gentry, and they were all yep. drinking Jim Beam. And uh, I thought to myself, well, I don't think there's any songwriting going to get done this trip, but uh, fortunately I have all my tapes with me, and uh, so I started playing him songs, and uh, I swear it was one of them, and he said he liked it. They were getting ready to cut, and he said, I don't know if it's better than what we have, but get me a copy of it, so I did, and that happened three times. I would wow. see him again, ask him about it, and play it again for him, and said, yeah, I really like that, give me a copy. Third time, he finally said, yeah, I really like that. I don't know if it's better than what we have, but let's get a copy over to the producer, Scott Hendricks. And we did, and the rest is history. They ended up, but <laughs> they almost didn't get cut. It was the very last song that they cut on the session. Oh, my goodness. And I don't know if, you know, Scott insisted that he, he was the one to insist on doing it, and John Michael says he's the one that insisted on doing it, but uh, <laughs> I got I got the story from the drummer that was on the session, so let's just say I know who, <laughs> who insisted. <laughs> I swear by the moon and the stars in the sky I'll be there I swear like a shadow It's amazing after the fact, with it being such a huge, huge hit, to say the least, that there was that much, uh, you know, five years to finally get it to work to John Michael and then his resistance at first, five. and a huge hit. Five years, two demos, three pitches, and uh, there you go. And um, it was funny because after it had gone number one, uh, it was it was number one when they called Gary and I over to the record label and sat us down and played us the all for one version. And it was so wow. funny because at first I thought it was, at first I thought it was a joke. I thought someone had done a parody <laughs> on the <this> song, <laughs> but then uh, 
as I listened to it, it started getting better and better. And uh, oh my goodness! And um, I'll never, I'll never forget Rick Blackburn, who was the head of uh, Atlantic Records in Nashville, came in after the song got finished playing and said, "That's a new group uh, on Atlantic Blitz Records called Awful One." says David Foster produced this and yes it's going to be a single and yes it's going to be a number one and yes it's going to win a Grammy wow how prophetic was that oh I'll never I'll never incredible. forget that incredible incredible yeah. the high alone from the John Michael Montgomery cut and then followed so quickly by the all for one single and uh, top of the country charts right onto the top of the pop charts how do you describe that? I don't think I can describe it. Uh, <laughs> it's just, again, uh, that was another surreal moment in my career. Um, it's almost like an out of body experience or something. Um, mm-hmm. and things happen so fast that, uh, I don't even think you can enjoy it thoroughly when it's happening. Yeah. And, you know, you sometimes take things for granted and, uh, and it was just, I, I, I mean, I knew what, 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 what was happening was just amazing. I could tell you that. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it don't happen very much, very often. Yeah, you know, I'm just so thankful Please every go. day for the for uh, for all the blessings in my life. You know, the Lord has been so good to me and my wife and children, and just the blessings of the music and the songs and. Um, I just give all the praise and glory to him for for giving me such a gift and and blessing me with with the hit songs. And what a gift indeed and and Frank talk about when you have the opportunity to hear from fans whether it's through social media or in person who tell you what these songs have meant to them. I mean, right back to you and I, obviously a wedding song throughout the years. I swear a more recent wedding song and a love song. Uh, I'm already there, which is such a powerful song from Lone Star. When these songs have touched people, what is it like to hear that, uh, that told to you? Well, obviously, you know, it makes you feel... You know, it makes you feel incredible that you were able to write something that had such a powerful effect on someone. Uh, and again, it goes back to the to the power of the song, and and the mm-hmm. and the power of the song comes through the the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, who who uh, is the one that gave it to me. So. Um, you know, I think I like that more than anything else. One of the main things that I like about playing out is is being able to talk to the people and and meeting them because uh, you know all of them put together is what made the songs so popular. And mm-hmm. just to hear their stories and feel the love, you know, that they have towards me and and the song and people that you've never met before. It's just incredible. It is indeed, and it's what I love about music and country music specifically, how it connects us, whether we're at a concert, uh, a big concert or a small concert, or I'm talking to somebody about a song that has touched me and it's touched them as well. I mean, it, the songs, uh, country music specifically, really touch our lives and it connects us. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And there's a lot of great songwriters, uh, past and present, uh, a lot of great songs. <laughs> endlessly on endlessly. They just keep coming on the radio, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, I want to talk about one of those great songs that you had a hand in writing with your good buddy, Gary Baker. Uh, I'm talking about the Alabama song once upon a lifetime, uh, released at the end of 1992 and into 1993. And I had that album at the time. I think it was American pride was the name of the album. Uh, Mm-hmm. Such an amazing song. I loved it even before it was played on the radio. And uh, just a killer song, a beautiful song. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, that idea came about, Gary and I were, were working in Marie's band at the time and came up with that title, Once Upon a Lifetime, uh, uh, really from Once in a Lifetime. And, and it came from... Um, someone very close to me telling me that he wanted to divorce his wife and he had uh, children as well. And, and that's really where that song came from. Uh, if you listen to the lyrics and everything and because, you know, sometimes you only get uh, that one shot, a true love and happiness. And, uh, and, you know, the whole, the whole bridge where I, where I said, uh, you know, when you're taking chances, if, if you're taking chances, know the chance you take. You know, a broken heart's a high price to pay, and foolish ways can make fools of the wise. And the best things seldom come along twice. Really, oh, that's beautiful. in essence the whole. In essence, that's the whole song of what I was trying to tell this friend of mine. And um, mm. everything else was the rest of the song was just crafted around that thought. Incredible. And when you heard Randy Owen, how did you feel? Were you moved by that version? Oh, absolutely. You know, Randy Owen is is one of the greatest country singers ever to mm-hmm. sing. He he and uh, Ronnie Dunn are two of my all-time favorite country singers, bar none. And uh, and Randy, you know, you know, he he really emotes and and comes from the heart you know he don't mm-hmm. you know he doesn't do uh a bunch of takes and stuff he'll he'll sing it down a few times and, and that's it he's done he'll sing it right there he doesn't come back to do a vocal he does it when they track the song and uh right and 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 knowing randy as long as i have and his family he's he's such a good man and a good christian and um just a great guy the whole band they're all they're all a bunch of great guys you know when i when I worked with Eddie, we opened a bunch of songs a bunch of songs a bunch of shows for them um yep. back in their heyday so uh we did several June jams in front of fifty sixty thousand people just incredible just amazing. I love their music grew up as I said, listen to them, my favorite country band growing up bought all their albums and a huge fan of Alabama and Randy Owens voice. But I want to turn to your version of that song. Oh, I got to tell you, I got to, yeah, go ahead. No, I got to tell you one more thing about my connection with Alabama. You know, I told you about my connection with Crystal and how we met when I was younger. Well, my brother and I had a band in Dayton, Ohio, and we played at a club up there called the Venus Lounge. And our band was called the Country Earth. And uh, we played there for three years. We were the house band. And we never 
left town. And for some reason, you know, uh, the owner wanted to manage us, so he got us a gig playing in New Orleans. Of course, somebody ever left town to play anywhere. And when we left to go play that gig, Alabama was the band that came in. They were called, well, it was right after they changed their name from Wild Country to Alabama. Right. And their very first song, My, My Homes in Alabama, was the song that was on the radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a matter of fact, they tried to up the money on them, but uh, they made them stick to it. So, uh, But anyway, they were the band that came in and, and played for us while we left our, our gig. Isn't that, isn't that funny? Wow. Another connection that came full circle. Amazing. Well, because uh, the first time it came through was working with Dan Foo Eddie. And then when they recorded my songs, and then we ended up writing a couple songs with Randy on the record as well. Because we wrote uh, Once Upon a Lifetime, E-L-C-A-S-A-P. And, yeah. and then we had two songs on a record that were on singles, but one was called I Love You Enough to Let You Go. Right. And um, Life's Too Short to Love This Fast. Oh, yeah. Great songs. So two two songs there that weren't singles, but they were on a record. I forget what record they were yeah. on. TLC ASAP was on Cheap Sheet, Cheap Seats record. That was Cheap Seats, yeah. TLC ASAP, it was such a, it's a catchy song and such a clever title. And it's a ditty. Uh, you know, yeah. I'll say it the way it is. It's a ditty. Fun. <laughs> it's a fun song. Got I want to turn right too, now. You, know, you, can't, you can't be serious yeah. with everything. <laughs> exactly. We want to hear a couple of ditties and then a song that's going to knock us, knock us over and, and get right to our heart and then back to some up-tempo ditties. Uh, I want to turn to your version of Once Upon a Lifetime, Frank, because it's a beautiful version of it from Scrapbook uh, that is available on iTunes. Let's hear that now. My guest, Frank Myers, out in the country. Once upon a lifetime I looked in someone's eyes And felt the fire burning in my heart For the very first time I was scared and young And it never tasted love But a woman took my hand Turned a boy into a man Once upon a lifetime And once upon a lifetime You hold the Queen of Hearts That if you gamble on a diamond win The deal and starts You stand to lose it all As the cards begin to fall And the lesson learned is hard Dealt the queen of hearts Once upon a lifetime 
So if you're taking chances, know the chance you take. A broken heart's a high price to pay. Foolish ways will make fools of the wise. And the best things seldom come along. Once upon a lifetime You know that you've been blessed When you hold your firstborn tenderly Against your chest And through the innocence you see The value of family And you feel a special bond that only comes along once upon a lifetime So if you're taking chances, know the chance you take Broken hearts a high price to pay Foolish ways will make fools of the wise And the best things seldom come along twice And people only find Love like yours and mine Once upon a lifetime. A beautiful song from Frank Myers. He co-wrote that with Gary Baker, uh, recorded by Alabama, Once Upon a Lifetime, back uh, 92, uh, going into 93. Beautiful song, and again, country music does that so well with that message in that song about what you stand to lose and hold on to what you have, basically. It's, it's a great reminder. I'd love to come, awesome. uh, come up there and perform, perform somewhere sometime uh, acoustically. So if uh, be anybody's great. listening and they want to book me, get a hold of Dave. Or, of course, you can always reach Absolutely. me on my website, too, frankmyersmusic.com. And that's, M- and that, that's M-Y-E-R-S, not M-E-Y. Exactly. <laughs> I w- <laughs> Want to make sure they get the right Frank Myers. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see you in this area and hear you, and uh, I'm sure something can uh, something can happen because that would be awesome. Uh, we played your version of that song. I wanted to talk to you about uh, co-writing, and specifically, there are artists, of course, from Canada and from the states who will head to Nashville to write with a writer like yourself. Uh, what should a writer and artist? bring to the writing session so how much should they prepare for it what should they bring into it a hit idea you know uh do your homework and do your preparation and have some have some good ideas ready to present and i gotta say you know i've written with, with a few uh canadian writers out there i'm actually writing with a guy named drew gregory on uh and this would be my second time writing with him uh, he's an independent yes. artist up there. Great guy you know, Drew? from Alberta. I do. 
Yeah. Met him several uh, times. Know him quite a bit. Yeah, he, he he cut one of our songs on, I guess, his current record. And um, the, the title escapes me at the moment, but uh, we're writing on Thursday. But I also uh, write with Dan Swimmer, who is from uh, Vancouver. He's a producer. Yeah. And he has an right. artist... He has an he has an artist named Jojo Mason out up mm-hmm. there. That's, oh yeah, uh, supposedly yep. blowing up in Canada, and uh, we have his next single that I co-wrote. I co-wrote his next single that's coming out up oh, there. Great. Can you give us a title on that so we can look out for it? Something to wrap my heart around. Great title. Awesome. He Thank is you. blowing up the charts here, and. Uh, I'm sure that one will do the same. I can't wait to hear it. That's going to be released in the next uh, little while? Well, well, I'm hoping it's released next month. That's what I'm hoping. Nice. April That's what we're looking at. Very cool. But JoJo's, JoJo's a great singer, a great guy. He has a great story. And uh, and Dan, they just don't get no better than Dan. Mm-hmm. Great guy. It's so nice to know. I knew that you did have a Canadian connection uh, with Tin Pan North and, and with some artists, so that's awesome to hear. And I think you wrote in the past well, and, David James. And also, yes, also uh, my uh, the company that administers my publishing company is Olay. Right. Toronto company. Absolutely. Great company. And um, uh, I want to ask you, too, Frank – You've had your songs recorded by all these artists we mentioned and many more, including Reba, Doug Stone coming out of the pain, one of my favorites from him. Is there an artist to date that has been elusive in the sense of you haven't had that cut, but it's a cut you hope for with one of your songs uh, sooner than later? Well, um, you know, I've never had a Garth cut and it's so funny because garth is actually an acquaintance of mine where you know we don't hang out or anything but i've known him for years he used to sing my demos before he ever had a hit out wow he sang several of my demos um but i've never he's never cut one of my songs never had a tim mcgraw cut so uh you know some of those some of those guys that have been having hits for a long time it'd be nice to yeah to get something on and some of the new guys too for that matter Absolutely. Uh it doesn't Absolutely. it doesn't matter to me. I think I think uh I don't know if an artist chooses a song or if the song chooses the artist. Mhm. Interesting. Because song artists usually will say that they know after maybe 10 to 15 seconds pretty soon on when they're listening to a song if it's something they love or not. I think the song has to speak to them. For mm-hmm. sure. Now, now you do know that Gary and I were also a duo, don't you? I absolutely do. You were Baker and Myers, and I love the song That's you right. guys had out in the mid-90s, Years From Here. At the time, it was right. one of right. my favorites. Beautiful ballad. Yep. Well, our, and, the, and the first one, the first ballad, obviously we did a lot of ballads, uh, was These Arms. I don't <laughs> know if you remember that or not. But yep. These Arms was also covered by All For One. Wow. You probably didn't know that. How cool is that? I did not know that part, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> but if you can if you if you can pull up these arms or years from here, you're gonna play one of those for your for your listeners. Let's see, hear one of those songs from Baker and Myers. Uh, we'll head back to the mid nineties for years from here 
on In the Country. is Baker and Myers uh, going back to the mid-90s for years from here. Of course, my guest Frank Myers and his good buddy and songwriting partner, Gary Baker, made up that duo. I want to talk about one final song here on the show, Frank. Uh, Chris Young is one of my favorite artists, and he's been around maybe seven or eight years now, continuously mm-hmm. hitting bigger hits and huge string of hits. I mean, he's been doing wonderfully. Uh, but the song Tomorrow that you uh, co-wrote with Chris and with Anthony Smith, uh, and it was his fourth consecutive number one. 
uh, when it came out and climbed the charts. Uh, what a wonderful song and just such a great lyric. And I think Chris was quoted as saying that all three of you thought it was maybe one of the best songs you guys had written. Well, you know, I got that idea actually <laughs> sitting uh, at one of our favorite watering holes and uh, smoking a cigar and, and, and having a <laughs> beer and and Gary Allen's song today came on the jukebox, right. and I was just and I was just crack, trying to crack a joke or something. And I just said, "Well, I'll tell you what. I, today, that's a good today's a good song, but I'll tell you what. Tomorrow, I think I'll quit smoking <laughs> these cigars." And and that's really how that idea came to me. And um, wow! And uh, the more I thought about it later, it was it was you know how we put things off to tomorrow and. Uh, Mm-hmm. And I just started sitting down, and I came up with the chorus and the beginning of the first verse, and showed it to Chris and Anthony, and they they loved it, and we finished it. And uh, hearing Chris's vocal on it, uh, obviously when you were writing it, you heard him sing it. That final uh, final version of the song released to radio must have been incredible to hear. Oh, ab- absolutely. Chris Young is also, a, you know, a great singer, a uh, mm-hmm. great country singer and uh, a good guy, a friend of mine. And we knew sitting there, it was a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, just a perfect song uh, with the message it's delivering the emotion and uh, Chris's performance. Well, it's of it. because it's, one of my it's because so many people it's because so many people can relate to that situation. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's what you, as a songwriter, does. You capture those moments that uh, we've been through, we can relate to, and that uh, kind of tug at our hearts because that's one of those situations. Somebody's trying to uh, leave someone, but uh, you know they can't. Tomorrow. I'll be stronger I'm not gonna break down and call you up When my heart cries out for you And tomorrow you won't believe it But when I pass your house I won't stop No matter how bad I want to But tonight I'm gonna give in one last time Rock you strong in these arms of mine Forget all the regrets that are bound to follow That's an amazing song. Frank, I want to thank you so much for your time. And as I said at the beginning, we're only going to scratch the surface. We touched on some of your songs, but not nearly all of them. And we didn't get your entire story, but uh, we'll do that down the road. But I had a great time chatting with you. Well, Dave, I appreciate you reaching out to me. It's a, it's a pleasure to uh, be on your show today. And, uh, and uh, give me a couple gigs up there. I'd love to come up. That'd be awesome. 
I'll look into that to see what we can do because it'd be great. To, I know people would love to see you perform and, and hear these stories and the songs, and uh, that's incredible. I wish you all the best in the meantime, Frank, and again, uh, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Dave. Take care. My guest has been hit songwriter Frank Myers. Uh, you can check him out at frankmyersmusic.com and be sure to get his album Scrapbook available at iTunes. You'll hear his versions of these hit songs that he's written. I'm Dave Woods, and that'll wrap up this edition of In the Country. <laughs>